Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Start this new part of the meeting with the Serenity Serenity Prayer in in the Wii version. Using the word God. 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 As the serenity. Grant us the serenity to accept the things I cannot We cannot change. Courage to change things. Change things. Wisdom to know the difference. I Amen. Really, well, I'm I'm really excited to hear what these um, these fellows have got to say about steps one, two, and three. I don't know if you're gonna take it in turns, one of you does step one and one of you or, or, or you want to each share what you've got about steps one and two and three. But I'll just hand that over to Indre. Would you like to start? Can we have it as a sound check? Can you hear me? Loud and clear. You, loud and clear? Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Oh, what a, an exciting day. I find that uh, so much stress even if it's uh, uh, for a very good purpose, uh, is is very difficult for me to handle. Um, I, I realized really quite late that um, stress had a lot to do with my uh, acting out, my acting out as a as a forms of, of as a way of dealing with stress. Um, my um, sobriety date is um, uh, March seventeen. Um, I've been in the program for a very long time. My first essay meeting um, goes back to 88. Um, and uh, as so you can see that I've had um, periods of sobriety, in fact, quite long periods of sobriety. Um, but my various aspects of my uh, acting out have come, come to haunt me uh, late, later on. Um, for for many years, I thought that my issue was uh, cross-dressing. I had enormous shame about that. Um, I hated it, but I couldn't stop it. Um, uh, and, and then, really, by sharing it um, at regular intervals, uh, I came to see that this was 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 part part of part of me. Um, uh, I, I see that really as, 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 as steps one, two, and three is uh, coming to terms with the fact that, like it or uh, not, uh, 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 this is who I am. Um, but I tend to forget that. Um, and so I come back uh, to the same steps again and again and, and again. 
here lately, and I'm living in um, in, in Transylvania, uh, which is the is the land of my ancestors. Um, I actually sleep in my grandfather's bed, um, which mean, means a lot to me. Uh, we have a, a small uh, fellowship um, working here, about six of us, um, and uh, one one meeting a week, and quite a bit of telephone contact, um, and other fellowships also where we sexaholics have an opportunity to 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 to, to share and get to get current. Um, for many years, the, um, the the form, my the, the spiritual form that my um, addiction took, um, whether I was acting out or not, um, was depression, and really very very severe depressions, depressions that uh, led to uh, a suicide suicide attempt and um, to a lot of suicidal thinking um, after that. Um, thanks to the program, and, and this is very much steps one, two, and three for me, is I've come to, I've come to accept yet again uh, that, that, that this is who I am. This is, uh, this is how I, I, the self that I inherited from various forms of abuse um, that took place in my um, early stages of my life. Um, and I used to think of those um, those early forms of abuse as these were sexual abuse at the hands of the women, female caregivers um, in, in, my, in my home um, in, 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 in my home growing up. And I um, found that um, in those early years, I used that really as an excuse, saying, well, you know, no wonder I'm so nutty. Um, who wouldn't be nutty after the kind of stuff uh, that uh, I went through? But I came to see that many people, many of us, go through equivalent stuff. And that the way through for me was uh, accepting that this is me. This is who I am. I'm a sexaholic. I have these particular forms of acting out traditionally. And that's that's actually okay, as long as I can surrender uh, the uh, my acting out forms uh, in such a way as to um, to be able to live comfortably uh, with with my disease and with um, and with my fellow human beings. And, and that's the way it is for me. Um, lately, um, my new frontier. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about you, Michael, with um, uh, embarking on the adventure of, 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 of marriage. Um, I've been married uh, three times, and um, uh, I'm in very close relations with my first wife. We're having Christmas, uh, all of us together. Uh, our son is coming back with his wife, his own wife, from uh, from Bangkok, where he works. Um, my second wife is really out of the picture completely, and uh, she, by the way, was uh, 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 she was the person that I saw as the fulfilment of all my sexaholic dreams. She was my 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 last uh, ob object of lust, and I, I have this extraordinary capacity to uh, kid myself, and um, so because we it was. 
blessed by the church and because we were married by a bishop and three priests and so on, I, I somehow concluded that that made it um, a sober a sober marriage. It was anything but. Um, and my um, my third my current uh, marriage it's really it's, it's it's an arrangement really between two friends. Um, we work together, we travel together, uh, we have holidays together. Um, by appointment, we have meals together. I had lunch with her today. Um, I uh, I shop for things that she needs. Um, uh, and, and what that's about is uh, that we, we've come to see that we're both so sort of, uh, know, fragile, vulnerable people uh, that too much contact um, is, is not really very, it, 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 it's very tricky for, for, for both of us to handle. Um, I'd say that um, I keep thinking that it's getting better. Uh, but it really only gets to better to the extent that I'm able to um, to keep a safe distance and um, uh, and provide her with, uh, with with what she needs and make sure that uh, I'm asking for for what uh, for what I need. Um, I'm learning at this stage of my recovery that um, you know, I've got a huge amount to go. It, it used to be about um, sexual uh, sobriety. Today, it's about um, emotional sobriety and about um, um, custody of my eyes. I thought that I was way beyond that, but I've discovered that you know, if I'm uh, looking at uh, women on the roadside on the way back from the local capital after the SA meeting, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sober. Um, and I, I want to be sober. I value um, what sobriety has, has has brought me? Well, I value it because it saved my life. Actually, thank you. I'll stop there. Thank you so much, Andre, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Does Richard want to share about steps one, two, and three? Okay. Then draw my camera. Show what make everybody crack the screens. Uh, All right, Richard. Okay. Thanks, Michael. Uh, thanks, Daniel, and everybody else making the whole thing possible. I'm really grateful for, grateful for the, the event taking place. And um, I'm coming up for my 10th. Well, if I make it, I'm uh, being very presumptuous. It's a dead time. But if I get to the 29th of December this year, I'll be uh, 10 years sexually sober, which is a miracle to be. For me, when I was under the cosh of lust, uh, coming into the program to be a day sober, a week sober, a month sober was a miracle. Uh, and um, it's largely due to the fellows in SA, the program of SA, the meetings of SA, and my higher power and anybody else I've missed out, possibly my sponsor or series of sponsors I've had. And I'm very, I'm, I'm admiring you greatly, Michael, for getting married in SA because it's something I've failed to do. Come nowhere near it whatsoever. I've had a few dates, I've had more than a few dates. But um, nothing on the cards. And both my, I chose single men in SA who were dating, and they both got married and started families. Um, and I, I just think it's a, like the full life cycle of a, an SA to be single and 
I mean, you can be married, obviously, and come into SA or even in a relationship, but to have a sober relationship and get married and start a family is just wonderful. Anyway, I started off innocuously enough, and um, I must have thought there was something wrong with it because I never really shared about my fantasy and masturbation with anybody else, including my brother. And quite often when you're teenagers, there's a great rivalry between siblings, and that was the case for me and my brother. And Maybe we shared the affections of the lovers, some of the same women. And uh, maybe my amends when I joined SK were ill-founded because he doesn't speak to me anymore. But um, my parents I couldn't turn to. And my best friends at school, I didn't have many best friends at school. They were all rivals or enemies. And I took it really seriously, my lusting and my affections to women. And when I calmed down a bit, uh, when I turned to cannabis, I found myself with a girlfriend and I had sex for the first time. I don't do a massive step one, but basically every time I tried a new way of acting out, I, I continued with it and it became compulsory and addictive and I never put down the masturbation or the looking at images of voyeurism in the street. And at the end, I remember going to a, a brothel that had been advertised in the newspaper, I'd phoned up and decided there was a woman to have sex with or whatever. And I'd gone along to do that encounter. And when I got there, there was children's clothing hung up on the coat hangers and toys there in the lobby. So hopefully I went to the wrong place. But I rang the bell and nobody answered. So I ran down the stairs. And then I ran back up the stairs because I thought, I really want to have intercourse. Uh, and then I thought, well, maybe the police are watching people to see who turns up at this address. So I rang the bell again, and then nobody answered, and I rang down the stairs. And this was repeated, thinking about <coughs> what I might get up to if somebody down to the door. And I left that place, and I ran up the road, and I was a chain smoker of cigarettes at the time. And I thought my heart was pounding, and I had heart pains. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And I'd like to say that was my rock bottom, and maybe it was one of my rock bottoms. But I had horrors in my acting out frequently and in between the horrors I would get the idea that I was a gentleman. I joined AA largely because I was so fearful, guilty and shameful of my sexual acting out. I happened to be a heavy drinker as well and an alcoholic. So I put down the drink and I thought I could lust like a gentleman but it just gave me the horrors. I must be very sensitive of a very good strong conscience. It obviously wasn't strong enough to stop me from acting out because I am powerless over lust. And I never realized that. So all my adventures in AA and before AA and before SA fell to nothing. and I got nowhere near getting sober. And when I came to SA, I learned quite early on the truth of surrender. I latched on. I started, I was a stalker when I was acting out. And when I came to recovery, I stalked certain members of SA and I would text and phone them all day long with my prophetic surrenders. And I, I, I learned to meditate, I picked up a bit of Buddhism uh, and I walked and surrendered and I meditated by counting my breathing and counting my steps. Basically, in my step one, on step zero, I went to any length to get sober. Um, but so I to not act out. And it's white knuckling it. I realized I was white knuckling it for about a year even though I was doing most, if not all, of the suggested things. And uh, what, helped, what helped me 
trust in the gift of surrender was the fact that it was working most of the time, eventually. And also because I did an exercise which came out in a wonderful book called Step Into Action, which was published as a, a temporary book. They could have kept it secret whilst they worked on it and perfected it, but they released it to the whole essay community for feedback. I don't think I gave any feedback, and I and they sort of said it was a suggested book. But I I took everything in the book as um, as a rule, and I started the step to exercise, which said any influential figures in your life, how did they let you down? And if you had a higher power in your life now, how would it uh, be a perfect higher power? And how would it be strong enough to keep you sexually sober and sane and uh, live a normal life? And I did this. I went. And I was an atheist or an agnostic or an angry atheist or a non-believer. I made a decision to worship my higher power when I joined the SA. But I had no idea about how to do it. And the right-hand side of the columns of this exercise helped find some sort of higher power for me. And um, so then after that, I just decided to worship that higher power. And for me, that meant um, prayer in the morning, uh, a daily renewal with fellows in the program and um, prayer at night, gratitude list at night and all these sort of things. And um, I often get this Russian proverb which says if you're drowning at sea, uh, row for shore and pray at the same time. So I was praying for my own survival but I was doing the legwork. I lived in the outskirts of London and there was plenty of meetings if you were willing to travel. And I would travel to the east, far east side of London from the far west side. And I would go into the centre of London by public transport. And I started my own meeting, like it says, in getting started in the White Book after three months of recovery. And wherever I've gone to, I've always started a meeting. So I practice my faith through action. And... Um, I've been sexually sober. I reset my sobriety after one year of sexual sobriety, a year after the event, and I don't have time for the inclination to go into the details of that. Nonetheless, to say that it's, I've had sponsors who've tried to do that as an excuse, and I had special reason for doing it because I had a, a nervous breakdown and I was probably suicidal, and I don't know other people advised me not to do it, but I realised for myself that. I need, to take, I need to look after stuff. I need to take care of myself uh, to work steps one, two, and three. I need to take care of myself mentally and physically. And if I can't do that, then there's no chance of me. I can't be drunk emotionally and physically and mentally and expect to stay sexually sober. I've got to have a sane mind. I've got to, I've got to have a sober mind. And um, I, the foundation of my recovery was um, working steps one, two, and three. And... There's a very sim I'm a very complicated person, although I don't believe it often. And I believe I needed to do the step to exercise and the step one inventory and, um, and hand it over to my higher power. But uh, there's a saying in AA which says, I can't, he can, I'll let him. And the he in question is your higher power or the creator or whatever you believe in. So I don't know how much time I've taken up, but I've, I'll, I'll, I'll hand over and let uh, somebody else share now. So thanks for listening to me. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure, Richard. Thank you so much for that. I won't share anything back on it apart from, you know, keep coming back. I think it's Schmulik now. 
Hi. Um, can you hear me? Can yeah. you hear me? After Shmuel, take your time, you know, 15 minutes or so, and then we'll open up the meeting for anyone who's there, and we can definitely hear you loud and clear. Okay, thank you. It's more like Um, I want to come to step one, two, and three from a different angle, not so much about the history and the sex a lot. It's more of powerlessness. For me, it was, I came into SA thinking I want to be the righteous person who's going to be clean and be, you know, sober. And that drive is not what kept me in the program. I, for me, step one, powerlessness, uh, is a combination of three vital points. And if I miss either one of those three points, I'm not going to make it. I haven't seen anyone else make it in my experience. Um, first of all, it's the desperation, unmanageability. The unmanageability of my life is not from external circumstances. It's not what I lost, it's not what I did. It's when I lost, could I bear living an act of addiction? Some people, I know friends who are, they could lose their job, their house, they're doing crazy stuff, but it's still worth, worth it for them to lose. It's bad, they would like to stop, but still manageable, they could bear it. For me, maybe I didn't do as much as others, but once I lost it, I felt so terrible inside me, I just couldn't bear living in my own skin and lusting. Living an act of addiction just wasn't an option for me. Not academically, but emotionally, I just knew I couldn't continue living this way. Um, in the big book, across a number of places, it speaks about, you know, if the guy is not interested in stopping, don't convince him. From an essay point of view, if I'm understanding it correctly, there's nothing wrong with lusting. It's about, just like there's nothing wrong with drinking for the alcoholic, it's because it's going to create his unmanageability. And for me as a sexaholic, when do I have that unmanageability for my inner sin, inside my own self? Do I have that desperation to stop? It says the desperation of a drowning man. Now, if someone doesn't have it, then it's going to be very hard for him to be desperate, create that. Maybe he's not a sexaholic. And the reason, if someone still enjoys lusting, and that's why he's lusting, so that's a valid reason. The reason why he's not stopping, because he still wants it. I need to have the desperation. Do I want to stop? Give it all I got to stop. And only want to really try, and I really want to stop for good, that's when I know I'm powerless. But if I'm not really interested in stopping because it's so manageable, because I still enjoy it, there's a price to pay, but it's worth it, you know. I drink coffee, I eat chocolate. Sometimes I try to stop, but it doesn't make my life unmanageable. So I'll have a bit of chocolate now and I'll start again next week, you know. So, so that's the first point. I need to ask myself, does active lusting, is that unbearable for me? How do I look at a life of active addiction? Am I willing to pay any price? to get free of it, where I don't have that desperation. Now, the second point is um, the physical allergy. Let's say, for example, I don't want to masturbate, I don't want to go to a prostitute. That's what makes my life unmanageable. But then I need to ask, what things do I do that if I start them, they'll create a physical allergy and create a temptation to do more? For example, if I go endlessly watching YouTube videos, 
as sooner or later, totally innocent, just looking at the news and different things, as sooner or later that's going to develop a physical craving to get lost. And once I start lusting, I'm going to act out, I'm going to feel bad. Um, I need to see, I'm not, I need to see what things in my life, if I do them, sooner or later, I'll start get a temptation to lust, and I'll stop lusting, and I need to ask myself, is the unmanageability of lust so powerful that I'm willing not only to give up the acting out, but I'm willing to act, uh, give up the actual, even those things are not lust, but they create that temptation. Um, and um, like, and a lot of times, I think, in a slip, that sometimes people, it's just another realization, they thought they'll be okay with it, you know? I thought I could just watch this innocently and it won't, it won't lead me to love. And they find out that this is leading me to love. It's not about I'm a bad person, I'm weak world, I just didn't know. For example, you know, you have these electric stoves now. And a guy didn't know that it's a stove and he puts his hand there and he got burned. Is anything bad about it? No, he just didn't know that this stove could burn. And now I need to see, anytime I'm shaky, I need to see, is this creating my physical allergy? that I need to give up. And it could be tons of things. It could be lack of sleep. It could be, you know, eating a lot. Personally, when I eat a lot, I don't end up lost. <coughs> oh. If someone else eats a lot, I'll just repeat that. If someone eats and it does cause him to lust, then he can't fool himself about his value. What's his experience? Could I do it safely or can't I do it safely? I don't need to create that willingness. I just, if I think it's not, let's say, if I could watch videos with impunity, there's no reason for me to give it up. But if I start watching action videos and it does create that love, then I can't fool myself. Do I want to stay sober? Yes. Could I stay sober with watching videos or not? If I can, crack on. If I can't, then I need to, it needs to go. I can't fool myself. And then the third point is, once I know that A, B, and C leads me to Z. That if I do start doing these three things, whatever it may be, I'm going to be there. Am I trying, honestly, to do whatever it takes not to take those actions? Because I'm desperate to stay sober and not live in active addiction. If I'm trying, trying as I may, and I'm putting in all my effort, and I still, sooner or later, I end up lusting again, even though I know it's not what I want to do, twist in the head, that's the mental obsession. And that, I can't stop, that pounding. But a lot, of, before I get to the mental obsession, I found in my experience in a bunch of sponsors and other people, a lot of times we form ourselves saying we're powerless, when in truth is, we're not interested in giving up those things that lead us to love. We're dealing with the spiritual malady when really it has to do with the physical allergy. If it's got, if, if A is going to cause me to laugh, I could be spiritual through the roof. But as long as I take that action, I'm going to develop a craving to laugh. And that has to go. But if I'm doing all that I can, so then I need to have a spiritual solution. For me, the spiritual solution takes away the mental obsession, which is my mind is just bugging me the whole time. And lost, lost, lost. And looking back five years ago, you know, morning, day, and night, there was only one thing on my mind. And I couldn't have the freedom that I could just wake up and just enjoy life and, and look at people normally and without the temptation to love. 
Um, and how do I, what, how does a spiritual solution work for me? Is that I, uh, first of all, I need to realize that I cannot get rid of it. If I can get rid of it, then let me get rid of it on my own. If I, if I just do a, a, a good um, therapy, or I have a new strategy that will work, let me do it and it works. The truth for me was that I can't do it on my own. And the pain of living in activity was so much, I was willing to do everything. The decision, this is the thing that my higher power could remove that obsession. But the only way my higher power could remove that obsession is if I'm willing from now on to live only to serve my higher power. So any situation that arises, I need to accept that situation because God knows what's best for me. I'm willing to accept it. And not only am I willing to accept it, I'm actually willing to serve him to do what he would have me do, not only what I would want. So it's even acceptance sometimes I'm still in the middle of the, the wall. It's all about me. I wanted it to go this way, but unfortunately it didn't go the way I want. I'm going to accept it. But it's still about me. That didn't go the way I wanted it to be. And that's not giving over my will and my life to my higher power. Giving over my will and life over to my higher power means from now on, on I'm here to serve what my higher power would have me be. That's a step, third step decision, as I understand it from the big book. We quit playing God, we're, stop the, we're, the, we're, we're stopping to be the center of the stage, we're here to be a player in God's role that he would have us do. Um, once I'm willing to live that way, and again, from my experience, as long as I do it from any day, that I, stop, I could have a rough day, I stop meditating and say, God, I'm here to serve you, that will be done, not mine, and try to live that way, I get the serenity as we right away um, now what is God's will for me I need to do the rest of the steps I need to do inventory to see what was God's will I need to make amends I need to do prayer meditation is pivotal every day anytime I need to do prayer meditation seek God's will and the key is step 12 is to carry the message help others it's not about me anymore um, but I found um, so being spirit, uh, the spiritual awakening, uh, uh, as, I, as my experience and the way I understand it, is it's very simple. If I'm unsettled, I'm getting frustrated, resentful, fearful, whatever it may be, if I still have that in me, sooner or later my mind is going to start wanting to love, whether I like it or not. I'm going to say it's not good for me, and the little voice inside me is going to say I shouldn't be doing this, and I'm going to go ahead and still do it. Because if I'm not happy in my own skin, that's, that's how I'm wired. And depending on how much pain I could handle, that's how much I'm going to last. But sooner or later, it's just going to give way. Now, the issue with, with me is that it's nothing external that's causing that unmanageability, that pain. It's just me. And the only way I could be happy in my own skin, if I could accept God's will for me unreservedly, I'm willing to do what he would have me be. And that's what the steps guide me. As soon as I do that, I could be happy. So, in my experience, if I am extremely overtired and getting frustrating, I'm not going to be emotionally or spiritually fit. And I need to take care of myself. Because I know if I'm not balanced, then 
my mind going to start telling me go lust whether I like it or not. Not because sleeping is going to be the solution for my lust. So if I'm overtired and I'm hungry and I'm resentful, I'm not accepting God's will for me. I'm not spiritually fit. And therefore, I'm going to lust. And now, for me it is anytime someone uh, slips up, it's either one of these two things. Either he thought, he still thinks it's not so bad. I'll act out once in a while and I'll be okay, which is fine. For a lot of people, it is okay. But then his life is not unmanageable and he's not desperate to stop. Then come back when you are desperate. The book says you might spoil a later opportunity. The second thing is, even if he is desperate to stop, maybe he thought he could handle it and he couldn't. You know, he thought, you know, I'll just chat with this woman or with this person and I'll be okay. And then he thought, and I thought it won't tempt me. And sooner or later, it found out that it did tempt him. Very good. So now you know that's a new layer found out, something that causes the physical allergy. And then the third thing is, even if he did that, but he wasn't doing prayer meditation, he wasn't trying to live life, he was unsettled, he was resentful, he didn't deal with his fears. So it's a new, any slip should propel him to realize that if I, if I mess around with the spiritual solution, then I am powerless of staying away a lot from my own power, even though I know it's bad for me. Just if I'm my own resources, sooner or later I will end up lusting and unless I try to live spiritually fit every day. And that's the working for me and I'm experiencing a serenity and freedom that I've never experienced before. Thank you. Over to you, Michael. Michael, you're on mute, but we can't hear you. So much for that. Would anyone like to share back on uh, on any of those shares which were which were done? Thank you. The meeting is now open for general sharing, either on the three previous speakers or on anything I've said, ha ha ha, or your own experience mental health. No, well, I like the sound of my own voice, so really. Michael, Michael, we can't hear you very well. Yeah, you were much better earlier on, but this, since you moved to this low system, so maybe you can hear me a bit better now. Absolute no, joy. Yeah, better. Today, I know all of all three of you just going to meetings in various parts of the, the world, I suppose, and country. And you know, it, it just, it just, you know, we kind of just reminds me that we're all growing together. You know, it's as simple as step one, two, and three, and if we can just get that step one, hundred percent, that's a good basis to all of the other steps, which are never hundred percent. But if we can do, if we can get as close as we can to that hundred percent of the first step, we're in for a chance. You know, and like, like other speakers we shared today, I've. You know, I was in and out and not getting it and get it, getting it and, you know, my, my I still haven't got any defense to that one, unfortunately. But, um, you know, but that is vital and I'm powerless over this. God, please help me. Simple as that, step one, two and three. I will open the meeting up now. If anyone would like to share, 
feel free. There's plenty of people in the meeting. It's not like 30. So I'll leave it there. It's looking like sparrows. Michael, can you hear me? Just about, yep. Uh, okay, maybe I can make it louder. Well, thank you very much for ch sharing this, and I agree with you. Talk louder. Andre uh, Sexaholic, can you hear me? Be, be a bit louder if you could. How do I do this? Um, <laughs> maybe the mic. Is that any better? 20% better. Well, is that better? Yes, a lot better. Okay, good. Mm. Uh, I have a dog here who wants to speak also. Uh, so I, I have a struggle to keep her out of the way. Um, yes, I, thank you very much for reminding. Uh, I have exactly the same sensation um, and feelings about... Um, you know, moving moving forward together, um, it's a very special feeling, uh, a real community community feeling, which um, is stronger. I realise for for me personally, with with you and Brendan, who I know is on the call, um, than it is with my own uh, uh, local chums. Um, uh, so I, uh, the moral of that story, I think, is keep. I need to keep in touch, closer in touch. I've tended to move away from um, our West European fellowship, um, focusing on our Eastern European fellowship, where there's a lot to do. Um, we have a, a, a group of uh, priests uh, in the east, far east of the country, on the Ukrainian, uh, uh, on the border with with Moldova. Um, we have um, uh, priests. Hello? We have priests locally who are um, getting together in some kind of a support group, but we sexholics are not for the moment allowed in. Um, which, uh, from past experience, um, you know, we've just got to wait and see. Uh, and we each got our got 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 our own road um, to, um, to 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 carry. But the, my my big thing this this evening that I really wanted to um, to, to to get across is um, uh, that I've been made this way in in order that I can do some kind of service, help others in some way. And I, I'm finding throughout all these years in the fellowship that uh, that that is what I'm doing. Um, and as time goes by, I'm actually, lo and behold, able to do a few other things as well. Um, sobriety gives me that um, strength and that resilience. You know, the big book talks about uh, uh, those of us who went off to war and um, acquitted themselves uh, honorably. I, I haven't gone off to war, but I, I am, uh, thanks to the program, I think, acquitting myself reasonably, honorably, in uh, everyday life and in, in, in the society of which I am part. Um, that's, that's a huge thing for me, because I, I, uh, I didn't. 
I really, in in my addiction, I was kind of floating around. You know, I, I, if you smiled at me, I, 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 I'd say yes, of course, yes, of course, we'll do that. I had no sense of of self, no sense of solidity there, and and the program has given given me that. Um, I'm glad we're talking about steps one through three, because those are really my those are my key steps, and I didn't mention much, much about them when I put, when, when I started off the seat this afternoon. Um, lately, I've come to see that if I if, if I want a relationship with God, uh, and I, I know intellectually and emotionally that He wants a relationship with me, uh, but if I want a relationship with Him, then I've got to spend. I need to spend um, much more time um, uh, prayerfully in the morning, at the end of the day, um, uh, uh, really solidifying that relationship. And what I've been doing lately is kind of taking a, a shortcut with uh, listening to uh, lovely spiritual tapes that have uh, a, um, uh, a, a strong step three component, but then I wake up in the morning and I look at the tape and I can't remember anything that was on it because I've fallen asleep. Well, that's not much for a, a relationship with the, the love of my life. Uh, so um, uh, that's been a big uh, eye-opener. Eye um, uh, then... Um, uh, and working with newcomers, um, our local newcomers, and I, I hope we can get them into this. Um, they are registered, I understand. Um, as, as a, there are a number of people who are uh, here who are really struggling with this addiction, who simply uh, cannot stop at the moment. And uh, uh, just hanging in there with them, um, attending the meetings, Passing on uh, what we have been given, uh, I prefer that to what I've learned. Um, and, uh, uh, and I suppose that's the that's pretty much the the end of end of that, or the beginning of that, really. Um, just as a closing thing. Um, if, if I had, it's amazing to me that when I came into the fellowship, I thought that this was going to be about sex addiction. I mean, the the sex addiction component of my life at the moment feels like it's 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 I don't know five percent or maybe even less than five percent compared with all the other work, particularly on the emotional front, um, particularly um, dealing with my old baggage, uh, emotional baggage in particular, um, which, which is terribly dangerous for me. I can uh, easily fall into a great big hole uh, very, very quickly. Um, and so I, I, don't want, I don't know what it's like with all the other fellowships, but I imagine that uh, uh, what, what, what's happening for us is that little by little we, we, we begin to, we end up working the same program. And uh, that's why we uh, have so much in common with our fellow alcoholics and our fellow gamblers and our fellow overeaters and, 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 and so on. I certainly um, see myself, he says, surrounded by 
a wonderful um, community of people who who are basically working the same program, uh, even though we have different addictions. Thank you. Thank you, Indre. Thank you for that. And I'd like to echo the last point there. It's really, I'm really grateful to be part of the 12-step movement towards finding a higher power, as, as I understand it. You know, last night I found myself going to a 12-step fellowship I've never been before. You know, ACA, you know, wonderful stuff. I, mean, I, think, I think probably all, every single 12-step fellowship is relevant for me in some way or other. You know, NA, Nicotine Anonymous, you name it. So I'd like to open the meeting again. Um, feel free to share, especially anyone who hasn't um, introduced themselves yet. Benjamin is there, Benjamin and Barney. Ada, or I, Ada, Lawrence, maybe you're listening to channel A as well, Moonlighting. Okay. I'm, I'm, here, Brendan. I'm not sure how we're doing for time. What have we got? Step in. We're, we're doing good. We're doing good. Um, yeah, I'm Brendan Sexaholic, and uh, it's great to hear everybody. And I just, I just do because I, I really, really, I really like these steps. Um, and, you know, when I first came into recovery, I just raced through step one. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm addicted to whatever it was. And my life's manageable. Absolutely clear. Absolutely clear. Um, two, you know, uh, I had to find a higher power. Yeah, well, I said, I hope so. Yeah, I said, I hope so. You know, I'll, you know, I'll get some higher power. And, um, and, and then I, you know, go on to three uh, and it says hand your you know I've got to hand my will and my life over to a higher power or made a decision to and I thought how would I know how would I know if I'd done it I actually thought it said I had to hand my will and my power over and I thought how would I know yeah um, and so I just went on to step four but a good while later after I'd been through the steps I realized that the way I knew that I'd done step three was if I'd done the rest of the steps um, and I couldn't I don't think at the outset I could have hung around there on steps one, two, and three and spent much time there. I really needed to find out what was going on. Um, and they are not so much decision steps. I mean, step one is like, are you or aren't you? You know, is your life a disaster or not? Yes, it is. And is it unmanageable when you're not drinking or, or acting out? Yes, it is. You know, um, is there a higher power that, you know, can, can restore me to sanity? I hope so. No. But the interesting thing that I've found is, and I've become very interested in step three, is somebody pointed out to me something called the, the four considerations. And I've been doing the step three prayer every morning for years. And I started to get to a stage where I was feeling, you know, it was just like rote. I was just saying off the prayer and it didn't seem that I was necessarily getting anywhere. And then somebody told me about these four considerations, and I started to do these in the morning before I did the, the third step prayer, and it gave it much more meaning to me. And so I, I take it, it comes just after the three pertinent issues in chapter five, where it says, you know, 
if you've gone through up to this stage and you know you've you've read the first part of the book and uh you know we we come to believe three things you know one that we're powerless over our addiction we're powerless over sexualism and our life is unmanageable two that no human power can restore me to sanity and three that god <laughs> um could and would if he were sought doesn't say if he was found if he were sought and then it says we are now at step three yeah so so I actually have to accept these things, first of all, that I've got the addiction, as, as was pointed out by Shmulek, like sort of, you know, I'm desperate, like sort of, this is the thing, that no human power can restore me to sanity. Yeah, not the wife, not the girlfriend, not the priest, not the psychiatrist, none of them, they, can just, they can't restore me to sanity. Yeah? But that God could and would if he were sought, so I'm going to have to look for God. But now that creates a that creates a great difficulty, and I had a great difficulty with, with that originally. But what it says then in the next part, immediately thereafter in the book, which I think in the English version is page sixteen, because I, I I quote a lot. It says we're at step three. The first consideration, so the first consideration on how to do step three, because they're going to tell me how to do step three in the book. So the first consideration is that a life run on self-will can hardly be a success. In that state, we're always in conflict or in collision with somebody or something, even though our motives were good. So that, you know, I'm out here and I'm doing this sort of stuff. I'm just going to be, as long as I'm running the show, as long as I'm trying to control it, I'm trying to make it happen my way, there's going to be disaster. That's basically what it says. And then we jump a couple of pages on to the second consideration, which is on page 62, and it says, selfishness, self-centeredness, that's the root of my problem. It doesn't say anything about lust, doesn't say anything about sex. It says selfishness, self-centeredness. And it's very interesting if you, when you're reading Bill's story in the, in the big book, which is obviously in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, is where the instructions are for the, how to apply the 12 steps, and it's what Roy Kay used. Bill says that the price that has to be paid for sobriety is the destruction of self-centeredness. And now we're hearing it here in relation to stage, step three. It says that selfishness, self-centeredness is the root of my problems. Huh? Not the acting out. That's just a symptom. The root of it is the selfishness, self-centeredness. And that driven, in other words, I'm not doing the driving. I'm driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking and self-city. Self-pity, I step on the toes of my fellows, and then they retaliate. So I'm, the next consideration is the next paragraph down. It says, my problems are primarily of my own making. You know, I'm doing this. I'm going around the place. I'm driven by fear, by, by selfishness, and by whatever, and I'm ending up annoying other people, and they're going to react to me, and they're going to retaliate, and then I'm going to feel hurt. So it says, you know, my problems are my own making. And it says the, the sexaholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, even though I don't think so. I got to think, well, how is it? How am I self-will run riot? Well, I want to tell my kids what to do, and I want to tell the other people in the program what they're going to do, and I want to sort of, you know, I, I know who should be president of the country, and I know what's supposed to go on all the time, and you know, I should be in a different job, and I should be living in a better place, whatever. And every time I'm doing that, every time I'm saying, this isn't right, this isn't what it's supposed to be, I'm saying God's got it wrong, you know? So I'm playing, you know, I'm playing the, 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 this again, you know? And um, so what I have to do is my job here is to make sure that, uh, 
you know, if, if, if my problems are my own making, how can I get out of that? And it says that above everything, so in other words, it's going to tell me that the most important thing in sobriety is above everything, I must be rid of the selfishness or it will kill me. And then it says God will make that possible. So I've got to have God's help. And then I'm back to the thing was, well, how do I get this God's help? How do I get it? You know, I'm back to the same thing. Well, how do I get it? And it says, the fourth consideration, bottom of the page 62, tells me exactly what I've got to do. It says, here's the how and the why of it. First, I have to quit playing God. It didn't work. You know, step three. For step three, to hand my will and my power over, I have to stop playing God. I have to stop thinking that I know what's best for everybody else, you know. And from now on in this life, like God's going to be the director. He's the father, I'm the son. And so if he's the director, I'm supposed to be taking instructions. And I'm not going to get the instructions unless, as was suggested earlier on, I am doing the prayer and meditation. I am going into the meetings. I am sort of, you know, mixing with the other people in recovery and re- receiving those messages that I need about like, what is it that God wants for me to do. And uh, it says when we sincerely take this position, when we sincerely put God ahead of everything else, then all sorts of remarkable things happened. And this is a lovely part of step three, because, you know, everybody talks about the promises, then they're further down along the line in step nine. But here we've got promises. It says when we sincerely take the position that God's going to be the director, remarkable things happen. And the first one that says is we have a new employer. Being all powerful, he gives us what we need if we stick close to him do his job well and like so there that's there's 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 guidance for recovery and for for everything i need in life it says god's going to give me what i need if i stay close to him do his work well and the only way that i could work out what that was originally was be working the program and as long as i'm working the program and i'm working with others and i'm trying to pass on this this message then i think god's got my back and so all the other things that I haven't got worked out, like the pension and the relationship and the car and all these things, all that sort of stuff, which I'm trying to sort of, you know, deal with life. But all that stuff God is going to look after. You know, my job is to do what I can do. Huh? I can't run the whole thing. I was never able to do it. The reason why I needed, you know, I, I was so addicted to things was that I needed something to make me feel good because I felt that I just couldn't deal with life. And here what I'm giving a chance to do is to say, look, Brendan, you don't do that very well. <laughs> you don't manage that whole life thing very well. But here what we do. You just stick close to God, do his job well, and everything else is going to work out. And that's a sort of like, that for me has become a kind of a, like the guarantee, you know, when they say like, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Our path is that path. Uh, I think the previous speakers were talking about it, you know, our path is that path to a spiritual awakening. And, uh, you know, I do get a bit passionate about step three because um, it took me a long time to get around my head around it. But when I did, I could start to see, like, just, just how clear it was. You know, I think it's something that I'd love to pass on. Anyway, thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Brendan. Thank you for that. The floor is open. All the internet, Zoom... Is open for anyone else who would like to share at this time. Please unmute yourself and let us have it. Thanks so much, uh, sir. 
great. You're breaking up there. It's not great. Hello. Here's New Jersey. Um, and uh, I don't know if you can um, improve your connection. Not sounding too good. Maybe your audio microphone or your internet connection. Whoever's speaking. Please don't let don't let that. Uh, no, I'm back on. Yes, a bit better. Hello. Okay. Um. Yeah. Step three for me is that. Well, this is one, two, and three. Um. First time I did it, I did a real. Uh, sorry. Uh, complicated. Sorry. I'm very sorry. Please speak directly into your microphone. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, the first the first three, my sponsor did it a little interesting. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, the classic one, two, and three that most people did. Um, I kind of just sat in this truck and we spoke and I told him, you know, what, what my experience was uh, in uh, in the first 20 years of my life. Uh, and then we spoke about what this, uh, what hopefully the next 100 years of my life is going to look like. Um, it was not so much, uh, you know, a, a, a drunkalog, I guess you can call it. It was more realizing that, you know, what, uh, what was just spoken about, was just shared about. Uh, you know, how to give my life over to higher power. And I know we're at the end. So I'll, ra- so I'll go quick. And, uh, you know, my third step is something in, that I work on. My second and third is something I work on every day. It's something I work on in my morning meditation. It's something I'm growing with. It's not something I just do. It's something that I, that I, that I, that I do every day and that I'm growing with and working on every day. So, uh, yeah, that's it.